Hi, we're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with Decrom. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July. Well, it's almost that time of year again, folks. In just over two weeks, all 32 NFL clubs will be banging pads in the hot summer sun at training camp. And that's why we at Sports Crunch are already back to the grind and intend to bring you as many individual team previews as possible for the rest of the month. Today, we take a look at the 2023 Indianapolis Colts. Since Andrew Luck's surprising retirement in 2019, the Colts have been on a dizzying, and I mean a dizzying quarterback carousel consisting of veterans on the downside of their career as they apparently trusted the rest of their talented roster to elevate those quarterbacks and make a championship run. Last year, the reliance of that approach backfired drastically as the Colts stumbled to a 4-12-1 record and became one of the NFL's laughingstocks. But this season, the Colts appear to be headed back in the right direction. They hired a new head coach in Shane Steichen, who was instrumental in developing Jalen Hurts into a star quarterback, and drafted arguably the most freakish athletic quarterback prospect in modern memory in Anthony Richardson. Can the Colts start to significantly build back toward contender status in 2023? Joining me to answer that question and a lot more is our good friend George Bremer, Colts beat reporter for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. George, it's been a minute since we last had you on, to say the least, but it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. How are you, my man? Doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. And without further ado, let's uh, talk about this uh, Colts uh, 2023 draft class at its headliner, Anthony Richardson. When I was discussing Anthony Richardson on this program during the pre-draft process with my man Mark Schofield of SB Nation, who I wholeheartedly trust when it comes to quarterback evaluations, he made it clear that Richardson is not as projecty as many made him out to be, and that the main issue with him was his lack of starting experience in college. Mark went on to say that getting Anthony Richardson on the field right away is the only way to sufficiently address that issue. Is it fair to expect Anthony Richardson to assume the starting job sometime within the first five weeks of the season? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think the Colts feel very similarly to to what you just put out there. You know, they've talked a lot about experience being the, the number one thing he needs. And obviously the only way you get that is to go out and play. Uh, but I think also if you just look at the way they're handling things right now, it's it's pretty much balanced snaps from what we saw. You know, spring's tough because you only see one practice a week and, and they could be doing something completely different behind the scenes. But, you know, from what they said and, and what we saw, pretty close to an even split with him and Gardner Minshew. And I think they're going to go through at least, uh, you know, the early part of the preseason and training camp with the idea that this is an open competition. But I do think if you if you put all the comments together from Jim Ursay, from Shane Steichen, from Chris Ballard, it does seem like they want Richardson to win this job. You know, they they want to get him on the field as early as possible because again they feel like that's what you know they feel like the best thing for him right now is to get out there make his mistakes learn on the field get his experience and that's going to get him where they want him to be as fast as possible. That being said, you got some veteran guys on defense, uh, even on that offensive line who probably aren't going to stand for it if if he's just handed the job and Minshew's going to push him. So I think that's going to be something to watch probably all the way up till week one, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the job has to be earned indeed. And that's the best possible message to send uh, to uh, Anthony Richardson. And uh, when he takes over that position at some point this season, it would be a shocker if he didn't. Uh, is it fair to expect the uh, Colts to uh, feature a lot of uh, 
read option uh, kind of plays uh, with him as the centerpiece of that offense, kind of like it was for Jalen Hurts during his first full season as a starter? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, right now, Sykin's talking a lot about trying to have an explosive passing game. And I know, you know, the best thing Richardson does right now is a deep ball. He's not consistent, you know, in moving the chains and on crossing patterns, timing and things like that. But his deep ball is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, And we've even seen it just in the brief little time that that we've seen him on the field. He's shown it a couple times out there. Now, granted, they're not in pads yet. You know, it's not real football. And and the defense was banged up. I mean, we haven't seen Juju Brench yet, for instance. Uh, So there's, there's a lot of caveats there. But you go back to his college tape and see that deep ball and understand that it, it's one of the, the better things he does. Uh, so I think that's something they want to do, but really outside of Alec Pierce, I'm not sure who you got, who can really take the top off of defense. That's not really Michael Pittman's game. Uh, at least in a college standpoint, it really wasn't what Josh Downs did. I don't think it's really what you're going to look for from Isaiah McKenzie. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they want to handle that on paper, just logically, you, you would think, the read option involving Jonathan Taylor, uh, it would help, you know, keep defenses honest for one thing. It would take advantage of the other major strength from Richardson, which is his legs, his ability to stress defenses on the ground. And then they want to get Jonathan Taylor going again. And, and I think the read option really will help out with that as well. So as much as they've talked about being explosive passing offense, you've got to figure the run game is going to be heavily featured here. And really from the time that the Sykin took over play calling in Philadelphia, the run game was more important from that point on forward. Oh, it most certainly was. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Julius Brents and Josh Downs because the Colts were widely applauded for their 2023 draft classes. They found numerous other potential long-term contributors at great value on each day. And that began on day two as the Colts, after trading down twice, took uh, Julius Juju Brents, the cornerback out of Kansas State, someone who many believed would go in the late first round, and they got him at 44 overall. Even though he missed all of OTAs, as you said, do the Colts still plan for Juju Brents to be one of the starters at Boundary Corner this year? Yeah, he almost has to be. I mean, you look at the roster right now, it was thin to begin with, uh, with Savon Gilmore being traded and uh, Brandon Faison signing back with the Raiders. And then the whole Isaiah Rogers thing hit. And so you took even more of a hit on that depth chart. Kenny Moore's better in the slot. I mean, when, when you're in base defense, which is what? maybe 30% of the time these days he can play out there, but you know, he's, he's more a guy that, that is going to play that nickel role. Uh, That's where he's excelled throughout his career. That's where he's most comfortable. And so they're probably going to have two young guys out there. I mean, if I had to bet right now, I would say it would be Brent's and Dallas flowers. Who's a second year guy out of Pittsburgh state. Darius rush is going to push for one of those spots. Another one of these rookies, even Jalen Jones was a seventh round guy could get into this mix. It's going to be a wide open race out there, but you figure the second round pick, the hometown kid, uh, another one of these guys who on paper is, is a perfect Ballard prospect, just tests off the charts, uh, physical, big, all the things Gus Bradley loves. Haven't seen him out there yet, obviously, but looking at his college tape, looking at his profile and looking at that depth chart, they really need Brents to come in and, and be a starter right away. 
Oh, absolutely. You put it perfectly. Uh, after trading away Stephon Gilmore, uh, the Colts uh, lack experience at that boundary corner position, and uh, they need those young guys, including Juju Brett, to step up immediately. And in round three, the Colts added to their offensive weaponry by selecting North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs, who was a favorite target of Drake May, who is expected to be a top five pick uh, next spring. Downs, who plays significantly bigger and tougher than his five foot nine size would indicate, he is an ideal complement to the Colts' two boundary wide receivers, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce, who we'll talk about in a moment. But when it comes to Josh Downs, does he figure to be featured in the Colts' 11 personnel packages regularly this season? Yeah, he's another guy who unfortunately got hurt early. So we saw him in, in rookie minicamp, and then that was about it. He missed the rest of OTAs. Uh, but he had immediate chemistry with Richardson, which is obviously important in, in this regard. Uh, and those two were putting in extra work literally from day one. They got there uh, and they texted each other. And before camp started, they were out in the hotel parking lot just because they wanted to get this going. They, they wanted to start building that that chemistry and, and that friendship. Uh, he's also a favorite of Reggie Wayne's, which you figure is going to help him. And that that's always got to be a feather in your cap. Uh, Reggie has said he, he thought he was the best receiver in this draft. Wanted him from the get-go, um, really was on the field for the for the combine and got that up-close personal look at him, really won over by him then, uh, and really pushed hard for the Colts to make this pick. And I think one of the things this offense was missing, and still is to some degree, when you look at the Philadelphia scheme and you look at what Shane Sykin liked to do over there, there's a lot of guys who are sort of uh, slippery guys, you know, can make those plays in open field, get the shorter ball, and, and make somebody miss and go. They didn't have a lot of that. And the one guy that really had was Naheem Hines, who got traded to Buffalo. Now I think Downs kind of fits that mold. I think he's a guy you can you can throw him a five-yard pass. He can break it, make a bigger play out of it. Uh, but also I think he's a security blanket potentially for, for Richardson. You talk about a guy who's not always on target, and you go get him a receiver who just catches everything in, in his radius. I think it's a perfect fit. He's going to have to beat out Isaiah McKenzie. I think there's a veteran there who's trying to get a bigger role after coming over from Buffalo. Uh, but it should be a really fun training camp battle. And I think Downs is a guy that they're really high on with, I think, good reason. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned that Anthony Richardson being very good at the deep ball, but not being very good at short to intermediate throws at the moment. Uh, having a guy like Josh Downs is going to help speed up his development in that department. Definitely something to watch out for uh, when the Colts put the pads on uh, in a couple of weeks. And as much as I loved, and I mean loved, what the Colts did on day two of the draft, I loved what they did on day three even more. Three of their picks in rounds four through seven that stood out to me were South Carolina cornerback Darius Rush, who you just mentioned, and two guys who played right up the road from me at Northwestern, a defensive tackle out of Tamiwa Anabare and running back Evan Hull. Which of those aforementioned cold state three picks would you say is most likely to make the biggest impact this season? Yeah, Rush is kind of in the same boat as, as Brent. You know, he's probably going to compete with, with Dallas Flowers for that other outside corner spot. Uh, and is another guy that they need to step in right away. Unfortunately, he got hurt early too. It was a bad, bad spring for the rookies in that regard. Uh, he had, I think, a hamstring, uh, and really you only got to see him just in the very early stages of OTAs. Uh, but I think that that training camp competition at corner is going to be outstanding. I think it's going to happen from day one, uh, and and there's so much possibility for so many young guys that I think they're going to compete really hard. It should be really fun to watch that. Paul is an interesting guy. Because, again, I just mentioned Naeem Hines is gone. They need that sort of third down running back. His ability to catch the ball in the backfield at Northwestern was abundantly evident. 
He's already done a little bit of that. You can't get a lot of running game in, in this, you know, in, in the spring. You don't see anything. They're not in pads. You're not able to run. But he was catching the ball well out of the backfield. He's a guy that's obviously incredibly intelligent. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who kind of walked in as a pro. Uh, just even on his draft day interview, you can just kind of tell he's got that mentality. You know, it's just all work, all football with him. I think they're really high on him. And at Barry, I think is in out of Barry is in a really good spot because you've got Grover Stewart, you've got the Force Buckner. You know, the, the interior's probably the strongest spot on that defense right now, uh, where you feel the most comfortable. And so he's not going to be asked like Rush to come in right away and and you know make a major impact. And he can move around a little bit. I wonder if they might use him similar to how they've used Taekwon Lewis the last couple of years come inside at times, go outside in, in some you know situations. Uh, but he's another guy that I think they feel like was going to go a lot earlier than he did. Uh, I think they're very excited about the possibilities there. And one other guy is B- Blake Freeland, the tackle from BYU. Uh, it looks like he's kind of right now positioned to be the swing tackle. Now we'll see there may be an addition there, uh, but as it stands, you know, he's, he's one snap away from, from being in the game. Uh, and they feel like he's really athletic and, and another guy that maybe they got a little bit of value on. Oh, absolutely. Blake Freeland, another uh, freakish athletic trade space prospect in this uh, class full of uh, trade space prospects uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts uh, don't only have a very promising crop of rookies. They also have some very promising guys entering their second season in the league, especially on offense, where they have three players who they spent premium draft picks on last year. Which of those 2022 draft selections is poised to make the biggest sophomore leap this season in Steichen's offense? Wide receiver Alec Pierce, tight end Jelani Woods, or left tackle Bernard Raymond? I think they need it to be Raymond. We'll see if that's how it works out. Um, I mean, obviously that spot is hugely important. And then if Richardson is the starter early in the year, as expected, he's going to need that confidence that that his blind side is covered. Raymond finished the year in a really positive way, graded out really well the last couple of weeks. Now the big question is, can he, can he put it together on a consistent basis? Can he do it from week one? He's very self-critical, which I think is good and bad. You know, he's not a guy who's going to rest on his laurels. That's for sure. At some time, at points, I think last year was a little too hard on himself. And I think Ryan Kelly even tried to take him aside a little bit and say, hey, this game's hard. You're going to make mistakes, especially as a rookie. You know, you got to learn to, to live with them and move on. It'll be interesting how he handles that now as a starter. And it really is his job. That's one of the things that surprised me about this offseason. They didn't bring in a veteran. There's not really anybody over there pushing him. It's his job from day one. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that develops. They need him to, to take a really big jump and become that bona fide left tackle I think Johnny Woods has a chance to really make a splash because when you look at the red zone options he's right at the top of the list I mean he's obviously a mismatch with his size and his athleticism if they're going to have the run game that, that you expect them to have with Richardson and Taylor it's gonna be hard for defenses to cover everybody you would think Woods down in that area in particular would would really be a threat and that's where Richardson has struggled early on. Woods missed the entire preseason as well. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Richardson in early practices was having some trouble in the red zone, which you would expect. I think rookies, that's it's going to take a while. The field obviously shrinks down there. The windows get tighter. 
I think Jelani Woods is going to be a security blanket for him down there. And then Pierce, to me, is the one guy, I kind of spoke on this earlier, who can kind of use his speed, beat defenses deep. It, that being the the really strong point right now for Richardson's game, you would figure that that's a match that, that should really take off pretty quickly. We'll see how it works. But I would – I would think it's one of those years where a lot of games for Pierce look like two catches for, you know, maybe 70 yards. Oh, absolutely. Alec Pierce, uh, despite uh, the uh, horrendous quarterback play last year, he had a pretty solid rookie season with over 500 uh, receiving yards with uh, defenses now aware of what Michael Pittman Jr. can do. Uh, they'll double him more, and that could free up uh, Pierce to explode uh, his second year, too. So uh, three promising young guys who could all have breakout seasons for the uh, Colts. And uh, as you... Uh, mentioned uh, with the offensive line one of the biggest disappointments in the Colts 2022 season was the absolutely horrendous play of that line which had become one of the NFL's best position groups in recent years in the Colts' size what was the biggest culprit for their uncharacteristically poor offensive line performance last year and should we be expecting a dramatic bounce back campaign for this unit as well as the run game in 2023 yeah, they talked a lot about depth and competition, and they felt like they didn't do a good enough job there of creating both of those last year. Uh, so I think that was part of it. They, but if you look at their actions, you look at what they did do and didn't do this offseason, they put a lot on the old offensive line coach, Chris Strasser. I mean, he was let go. Uh, from what I know, there, there really wasn't much talk of bringing him back with the new staff, and they didn't bring in a lot of new players. So I'm just putting two and two together there and saying – it sure looks like they're pinning a lot of it on on their coach. Now we'll see how that that comes out. I think there were a lot of off the field issues going on. I know Ryan Kelly in particular had a lot of personal issues that that he was dealing with that are behind him now. I think he's in a better place mentally and physically. Uh, so they're hoping he's going to have a, a bounce back year as an anchor. There it was a really really tough year for Quentin Nelson. I think some of that had to do with the injuries the years before and him not really having that full off season. He's driven and motivated and understanding that he needs to get back. And Brayden Smith's another guy, right tackle, who was beat up, uh, who feels better physically. And they just need those three. That's where the line's going to you know, rise or fall. Those three play at the level they're capable of, which for all three of them is at or near a, a Pro Bowl caliber guy. Then the line will, will be significantly improved. If they struggle again, you're asking a lot out of guys like Bernard Ryman and Will Fries to pick up the slack. And I think that's where, you know, that right guard spot last year becomes a bigger problem because Smith is struggling and Kelly's struggling. If, if the guys on either side of him are playing well, you're probably not as worried about Will Fries. Oh, absolutely. There were definitely some uh, personal off the field issues and uh, injury issues uh, with uh, all those guys you mentioned. And do you think, uh, dare I say the clown show that was uh, firing Frank Reich and bringing you Jeff Saturday had an effect on those guys in a way? I did the whole roster, honestly. I mean, the whole year was just so difficult for him. You open up down there in Houston and you tie the Texans, and the game felt a lot like the year before when they lost to Jacksonville in the final week of the regular season and, and lost that playoff spot. Flat, not really, you know, no energy. They rally late. They miss a field goal. You end up tying, which is such a weird feeling anyway. And it just sort of set the tone. I mean, from there on, they upset Kansas City in week three, and you thought, well, maybe – Possibly something's going to happen, but that loss, I believe it was week five uh, to Tennessee, which felt like a showdown game. Both teams were off to slow starts. Winner was going to have early control of the division. After that, Matt Ryan got benched. Uh, then you had the offense coordinator, Marcus uh, 
why am I blanking on his Marcus, Marcus Brady. Brady. The office coordinator Marcus Brady got fired. <laughs> uh, in the week after that, Frank Reich was fired. It just felt like after that, the clown car was it was in full steam. It, it felt like one of those cars too, where it's never ending. Every week there were just more clowns coming out. It, it just it got incredibly bizarre. I think it was hard for everybody in that locker room. And the offensive line, I think the biggest mark against them last year is the Giants game. I don't know if you happen to see that or not. Nick Foles gets injured on a play, and the giant defensive end is is laying on the field doing snow angels, and nobody on the offensive line did anything about it. They just went back to the huddle. It it was something even Jeff Saturday called out, but it just it felt like they had checked out. And when you see that happen, you just feel like it's not an all for one, one for all kind of situation at that point. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see the mentality right now seems a lot better. I think it was going to be just because you've got the fresh start. Shane Steichen comes in with obviously really strong credentials and they really like Tony Sperano jr. So far. I mean, I think he's a no nonsense guy. He doesn't have a, a long resume behind him, but obviously his family has a long history in this league and especially on the offensive line. Uh, and he's just come in and, and basically gotten back to basics with them, which the line so far has responded to well. But I feel like you could ask every reporter in the league right now, and they're going to say similar things about their team. If you don't have a good feeling at this time of year, there's probably a massive problem. <laughs> but I do think in this case, it's it was really needed. I think they needed to get out of the mindset they've been in really since the Jacksonville game, you know, the year before uh, of, of just sort of waiting for, for the next shoe to drop and the next bad thing to happen and at least this spring, if nothing else, I think they accomplished that. Oh, you just nailed it right on the head. Why Jim Ursay even considered uh, giving Jeff Saturday the full-time head coaching job, I will never, ever, ever know. And uh, also last year, the Colts' defense just didn't look the same as it has in recent years. And arguably the main reason why is that all-pro linebacker Shaquille Leonard only played in three games due to a back injury that required a second surgery this offseason. What's the latest on Shaquille Leonard's health, and is he expected to be ready to go by week one? Yeah, he's the big question mark. I mean, outside of Richardson, he's the biggest story in camp. He obviously didn't do anything this spring. He's saying he feels a lot better, which is good, because last year was kind of gloomy about the whole process. Uh, We're going to see. You know, when they report here on the 25th, I think that's going to be one of the biggest question marks out there. You know, is he going to be on the pup list again as he was a year ago? Is he going to be ready to go on the 26th for that first practice? He's obviously so incredibly important to everything they do on defense. Takeaways were way down last year. That's no coincidence. That's that's his bread and butter. Uh, I think they need – it's a young defense, especially this year now. Guys like Gilmore and Faison gone. Rodney McLeod's left for Cleveland. It's going to be a really young defense. They need Leonard out there, not just as a leader on the field, but they need his energy and practice. I think they missed that last year too. When he's not there and he's not on the field during the week – He's one of those guys that holds everybody accountable. He brings, as he says, the juice every week, every day out there. You know, he's sort of the battery for that defense. And if he's not out there, you see the results. It was a great year for Zaire Franklin. I think they feel really good about that linebacker core if they can get Shaq Leonard back and and at the the all-pro level that, that we know he can play. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Shaq Leonard, they call him the maniac for a reason. He just uh, 
terrorized offenses by punching the ball out time after time after time again. And the Colts clearly missed that last year. No question about it. And he is George Bremer, ladies and gentlemen, Indianapolis Colts beat reporter for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. You can follow him on Twitter at GM Bremer. George, thank you so much once again for joining us. But we got a couple more questions before we let you go here. Uh, you mentioned the uh, outside cornerback job. Uh, you kind of mentioned the uh, right guard job as well. What other uh, battles will you be watching when the Colts commence training camp in a couple weeks and why? Yeah, there's a ton. I mean, obviously the quarterback battle is going to be huge. I think that one goes without saying. I think the third receiver spot, I think that's going to be really fun to watch between Josh Downs and Isaiah McKenzie. Downs, I think, you know, there's so much potential there. There's so much excitement around him. And I think if you go with Richardson, you kind of lean his way to let them grow together. Uh, but if it's Gardner Minshew who wins that quarterback spot, maybe you go with McKenzie and go with more of a veteran uh, approach there. I think that's going to be interesting to see. The defensive end spot, too, is, is going to be really, really, I think, tight. They didn't bring back Yannick Ngakwe, who led them last year with nine and a half sacks. You've got the young kids in Quiddy Pay and Dio Dangbo. For Pay, really, the only question right now is can he stay healthy? When he's out there, he's showing that, that he's a guy who's more than capable of impacting games. I think he could make a big jump this year if he can stay on the field. Dangbo really just finally getting back from that torn Achilles at the end of the year really started to take off, but you know, do you feel comfortable with him on the other side? You mix Taekwon Lewis into that, that mix. I think they brought in Samson Ebukam from San Francisco to kind of fit in there, but it's going to be a lot of bodies. Uh, and I think a lot of versatility in, in that spot. And it'll be interesting to see, do they want to have two defined starters or is it just going to be a rotation? They've talked about waves like Philadelphia has, you know, just trying to bring in guys, keep fresh legs in there almost every down. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, and the other spot is, is really safety because Rodney McLeod was a quarterback of that defense last year, gave him a real veteran presence, loud voice in that secondary without him. We already mentioned about thin they are at corner. You've got very little experience back there. They really need Julian Blackman to step up here in year four and be a leader. He seems to have that quality, but we haven't really seen it from him. He's another guy who's not been on the field a lot because of injuries, but he's kind of thrust into position now where he's one of the elder statesmen in that group, and they really need him to step up, be a captain sort of a guy, uh, and take charge. It's not so much a competition there as it is, can this guy raise the, the level play of the guys around him? Because he feels like the one guy in the secondary who has the personality to do that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that uh, safety job uh, became even extra intriguing with uh, rookie uh, Nick Scott uh, lost for the uh, season, unfortunately for him. Get well soon, uh, Nick Scott. And uh, the Colts, when you look at their 2023 uh, landscape, uh, despite their youth and inexperience compared to the rest of the NFL, they are a wild card because when you look at the AFC South right now, it's pretty much the Jaguars and everybody else. The Titans are probably going to take a step back this year uh, because their roster is aging. Uh, and the Texas and Colts are both in very similar spots. They both drafted rookie quarterbacks and they're uh, starting a new under uh, new head coaches. And according to BetMGM, the over-under win total for the Colts this season is set at 6.5. Do you think the Colts win more or less than six games this season? Uh, I, I'd probably write about at six. I mean, I think it's going to be a rough year. You've got a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience. I think they're going to take their lumps early. They're learning a new scheme, obviously, on offense. That defense is really going to depend on whether or not Shaq Leonard's on the field and, you know, how how effective they can be. 
I, I think it's going to be a year that in some ways, though, that I don't know how much the record is going to matter. And Jim Irsay has already even kind of alluded to that. You know, they they want to be headed in the right direction. That's that's the phrase he keeps using. And I think so much of it right now is is Anthony Richardson. If you feel like you got the right guy there and he's taking steps and you feel like this offense in 2024, 2025 can take steps forward, contend for the division title, then it's a good year. And I think that's almost regardless of, of what the record looks like at the end of the year. By the flip side, if they did squeak out nine or 10 games against a, a fairly weak schedule, to be honest, at least on paper right now, uh, but they didn't, they don't feel confident in, in that offensive progression. I think it would be a disappointing year. So I think, you know, obviously you don't want to repeat last year's four win season, but I think if they're somewhere in that six and 11, seven and 10 range, uh, and, and you feel like these young kids have got what it takes and, and they're going to be able to gel together. To me, that's, that's what success looks like in 2023 for Indianapolis. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And he is George Bremer, Indianapolis Colts beat reporter for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Follow him on Twitter at GM Bremer. Thank you, George. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. But we'll be back again ASAP with a preview of the 2023 Denver Broncos with Brandon Cristal of 850 KOA Radio in Denver. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram, TikTok, and now threads at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For George Bremer, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and whatever you do, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in any sport. Until next time, cats, kittens, stay cool. Mm-hmm.